Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Uh, we have been talking about the spirit as um, breath or wind and fire. Uh, that's what the, the spirit is alluded to, called in the, in the Bible. We've been looking at him as a dove. And so today we're looking at oil and water. And so just as I start these three messages, as I've started them, I've just wanted to acknowledge people in the room that perhaps have not yet heard of the Holy Spirit. And I want to just remind you that you're in good company because in the Bible, Paul goes to some people and they say um, they've been following Jesus for a long time. They're repentant of their sins. They've stopped going their way. They've gone Jesus' way. And he says, have you been baptised in the Holy Spirit. And they say, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. So if that's you today, you're in good company. Uh, You're written about in the Bible. And so um, that's really exciting. But I want to bring uh, some teaching to you about him. He is right from the start and the very origin story of Humanity. He's there at the beginning at creation, hovering above the chaotic depths. There he is with life-giving and creative and energetic potential, just ready to breathe life into stuff and uh, ready to go. And then across history, um, it records this unfolding revelation of who he is as God, that he comes upon people for a certain task, that he he, um, empowers people and equips people to create beautiful things, uh, to lead a nation, to fight an enemy with wisdom and understanding. But then in 350 see there's this game-changing, life-altering prophecy where a prophet called Joel says, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. That means if you're flesh today, the spirit can be poured out on you. And in fact, Jesus promised that he would be. For those who believe in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out to those who believe in Jesus. And it says that they wouldn't, he wouldn't just dwell with them, he would dwell in them. And that's what happens when we believe in Jesus. This mysterious event takes place where all of a sudden the Holy Spirit lives in me and empowers me to do what God wants me to do. And it's really cool because just subtly as we allow Him, things begin to change. Just subtly as we allow Him and surrender, we stop going our way and start going His way. Now, a lot of the time, can I get an amen? We resist that. Yeah. And, and we fight it. But if we surrender to it and allow Him, He just gradually takes us on that journey. And it's really cool. It's His work and not ours. So um, from there, I just want to take us to the first time that the Spirit is, that oil, well, sorry, actually the last time in the Bible. I always start at the first. That's why that was a bit of a habit. But this is actually the last time that oil is mentioned uh, in, in this context of, of enacting kind of the Spirit's power. This afternoon at 5.30, we're going to have an anointing service here in the building. And if you're like, that sounds like that's going to be long. And like, I'm telling you, like, don't stress. I reckon it's going to be an hour max. And I've said it like that in case it goes over. <laughs> but, but I reckon it's going to be an hour max. And uh, it's not like a, a long drawn out affair. We're just going to be praying for people, anointing them with oil. And we'll see why in just a moment. Uh, we'll be bringing a short, really short teaching about why we, what we can expect tonight. Sing a song, pray for people, done. Um, so James 5.14, it says this. Now, if you're online and you're watching this later, go to the cupboard, get some olive oil and anoint your family with oil after this message. Um, but we'll do it this afternoon in Tamworth. Okay, um, you know what, tomorrow, <laughs> I feel a bit all over the shop, settle. 
Okay, tomorrow we're going to set, I'm going to Cessnock to anoint a family with oil and pray for them because they've asked for prayer. So it's not about a platform. It's not about a person. It's just about being obedient and just going where God calls you to go and what he calls you to do. Anyone can do that. James 5.14, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. So we're talking about oil today. But um, I just want to mention this verse, just as a pastor, I just want to jump in here for a second. Uh, Any of you sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. In this passage, in this book of James, he talks about that every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the Father of lights in whom there is no changing like shifting shadows, that God gives us every good thing. And then he also says that you should rejoice when troubles of any kind come upon you. So here it is that God gives good things, but in this world, we will have trouble and we have to be okay with that. And so I just say that as a pastor, because there can be kind of this thought that if you're sick, you're in error, that you're doing something wrong, that you need to be declaring something different. But in fact, denial of facts is not faith. That's just denial. That in fact, like receiving of facts and acknowledging facts and then putting God's truth above those facts, that is faith. And in fact, it's not up to us to go to people and say, you're sick because of this, this and this, because you are not the spiritual diagnosis person. Diagnoser, I think that's called. You're not that person. You're just a person who believes in Jesus like anyone else. And it says, let them call for prayer. So you can by all means go and say to someone, I'd love to pray for you. May I pray for you? But we should never impose our thoughts or our latest teaching that we're enamoured with on someone. And we should allow them to be working out what's happening with them and God and encourage them in that. Um, Is everyone okay with that? Okay, pastoral rant over. Let's go. So why oil? Why is James asking them to anoint with oil? Well, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus is travelling in his home country and his brothers say, you know what, Jesus, if you're such a big deal, like you should go to the cities and show them what a big deal you are. Now that could sound like they're cheerleading, like go Jesus, go bigger, go better. But in fact, they're like, oh, you big noter. Like you think you're such a big deal, get to the cities, get where, where it's really at. And it says in the Bible that they don't believe. So what happens next? And it says that everyone in that village, his hometown, they don't believe. So what happens next is Jesus goes around teaching from village to village. I love this because he gets rejected and he goes out and teaches to different people. He's modelling something for his disciples here. Hey, disciples, you're going to get rejected. So just leave that place. Go to the next place where there might be some hungry people. And he keeps teaching. And so he goes to the next place. And then it says, he doesn't just leave it there. He levels up. And he calls the 12 to him. And it says, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. And and this is Middle Eastern hospitality here. There's no middle ground to be found. You either receive the sojourners um, or you leave them without a place to sleep or to eat. And they're forced into the square for the night or whatever it looks like. Verse 10 says, when you, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Especially what he's just done, he's left Galilee and he's gone to the next place and he's just gone, okay, you, you don't want to receive me, no worries, I'll go to the next place. Verse 12, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. See, oil was always used for 
dedication. And it was often that they would make gods, like the people of the day would make gods out of wood and stone of whatever they worshipped. And then they would anoint its eyes, ears and mouth with oil. And that would signify that the God that they worshipped had come and indwelt the image of the God that they'd created. And what Jesus is doing here when he's asking them to anoint with oil, he's saying, I want you to go and restore to the original image that person of the God in whom they've been made. You see, you and I, it says at the start that God said, let us make man in our own image, in our image, let them be made. And the idea is, is that not necessarily that we look like God, we haven't seen him to know that, but that we bear who he is. And that restoration of his image means that we are in every way well. I think the word is sozo. It means well in spirit, well in health, well in safety and deliverance. Is that what you said? Saved, healed and delivered. Saved, healed and delivered. Restored to him. How cool is that? And so now the disciples are replicating Jesus' ministry because that's just what he's been doing all along. But they're not Jesus. They're not God. So they use oil as a medium to say, this is not dependent on us. This is what we're doing. And that was the instruction given to them. And so James is just continuing that on. Now, there are many churches that no longer do that. And I believe personally, I could be wrong, that that may be died out because of experience. Because a bunch of people have been prayed for and they hadn't been healed. And so they're like, well, that clearly can't mean what it means because it's not happening. And so they just stopped doing it. That, that's perhaps what happened. But here's the thing. That book of James, it says that you ask and you don't get what you ask for because you ask out of your own desires. The idea is that you don't understand the whole big picture. And so what I want you to do is to trust me with the big picture, but I want you to keep asking a guy that I was reading about, he said that he prays for you know, many people and about 20% of the people he prays for get healed. So that could be like, what a failure rate, 80% don't get healed. But I would just say, dude, keep praying. Because if you pray for 10 people, two people will get healed. If go, go pray for 100, then 20 people will get healed. Go pray for 1,000 and then 200 will get healed. Please keep praying, sir. Don't go, oh, well, I better not pray because clearly it's not right. No, no, that's 20, 200, 2,000. How many people don't get healed? So let's keep praying regardless of what our experience is. And that's what Jesus instructs us to do. So the idea is that the oil of the Spirit restores us to the image of God. It restores us to who we're meant to be, saved, healed and delivered, restored. Number two, anointing was something that was done to set something apart. We are reserved for His use. We're reserved to his use. Well, they would anoint the temple, the furniture in the temple, the utensils in the temple. They would anoint it all. They would anoint the king for service. They would anoint um, the high priest for service in the temple. They would anoint his ear and his big toe. Something about direction. But anyway, regardless, they would anoint them for service. They were set apart. They were holy. And, and you and I, we are reserved for service. And that's why we are also anointed. Now, aren't you all ready? We'll get to that in just a moment. <clears throat> Number three is we're anointed to be made ready. You see, there's this story about Jesus going into a house of a Pharisee, a holy guy, and he invites him in. And this woman, and all the Bible says about her is that this woman is a sinner. But the thing is that the whole town knows that she's a sinner. So she is a, uh, a woman of reputation. And she comes into the house and she makes her way to Jesus. And she goes to Jesus and she... Um, cries on his feet 
and she wipes his feet with a hair and she anoints his feet with perfume. Now, I just want you to imagine for a moment if I'm standing here and Murray comes from the back, makes his way down. You're not a sinner, Murray. You're a recovering sinner. Um, and, and he, like, takes my shoe off, like, sweeps aside a bit of the tinea and, uh, and cries on my feet and, like, kind of polishes his head on my to dry my feet with you we're all uncomfortable especially me like super uncomfortable gabs you're really uncomfortable trissy you're dying um <laughs> everyone's uncomfortable and in this act for her what this woman was doing was an unabandoned unrestrained and undignified act of worship everyone is uncomfortable with it it was confronting to them everyone was uncomfortable except for jesus who is just like oh daughter Good job. And, and she is accepted by Jesus in this moment. No one else in that house is accepting her except for Jesus. And he is loving the outpouring of love, the undignified, unrestrained love that she is showing towards him. It's like, good on you, daughter. Good on you. And, and he turns to Simon and he sees it. He realises that Simon is thinking if Jesus really was who he said he was, he would not let this woman anywhere near him. That's gross. And he says, Simon, when I came in today, after he tells him a story about forgiveness, when I came in today, you didn't wash my feet. Like that's hospitality 101. You didn't even wash my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. That's hospitality here in this age, 201. But here is this woman and in love, she has outpoured everything for me and done that. She has anointed and washed me and she has made me ready, he says, for what's about to happen. I'm about to die and she's anointed me for my burial. She got him ready for what was to happen next. She prepared for what was to happen next. <clears throat> and the same thing, if everyone could just clear their throat. <clears> throat. The same thing happens in Psalm 23 verse 5 where it's talked about, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the psalmist is saying, you put me at this table in the midst of my pain and you anoint my head with oil and then mercy and goodness are just going to chase me down for the rest of my life. Uh, you got me ready for what you were about to do next. And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 17, Jesus says, when you pray and fast, go out and anoint your head with oil, wash your face, get ready for the day. Don't just be like, <laughs> I'm fasting, I'm so hungry. Guilty, sorry. I've definitely, definitely done that. Nine o'clock Monday morning meeting with Andrew. I can barely think. I'm so hungry. Um, but Jesus says, no, just get about it. Get amongst it. Get ready for your day. The idea is you anoint your head with oil in those days to get ready for the day. Get ready for what's next. And so we anoint to get ready for what is next. Restored, reserved and ready. You see, Jesus is called the Messiah, Messiah. Should have waited for that for everyone to clear their throat. Do you want to do it again now? Yeah? Messiah. Yeah, great. Messiah, the Messiah. He is the anointed one. Messiah means the anointed one. We know it in Greek as Christos, Christ. Jesus, Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. And he, he's called the anointed one. Jesus, Christ is not his last name. He's called the anointed one. And 
he says to us as well that you have been anointed. You see, in fact, the Christians of the day, they were called Christians, Christians, meant little Christs, little anointed ones. And it was meant as an insult to them. And they're like, seriously? Little Christs? Yes, please. That is what we will be called from now on. We take that name for ourselves. It'd be like being called a grub in footy and being like, yes, we're the grubs. (laughs) Something like that. Um, We are the anointed ones. Nothing like that. (laughs) We are the anointed ones, little Christs. Uh, But yet there's this... This, this juxtaposition, this collision between the anointing and the washing in these scriptures, it says that, you know, she washed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. She anointed me with oil. Uh, she anointed me with perfume. And then also when you get up in the morning, uh, wash your face, anoint your head with oil. There's this, um, this clashing of washing and anointing. So there's the oil, but there's also the water. And you can't survive three days without water. And just as you need water to survive, you need the water of the Spirit to live this Christian life. Jesus finds this woman in a well. I love the way that Jesus treats the outcast women. And he finds this woman at the well who has no social um, circle. She is an outcast. She's been married numerous times and sleeping around numerous times. And he finds her and they begin to talk about water. And his, his conclusion to her is the water that you're having here, you will thirst again. But the water that I give you will never thirst again. And it's the same water that he's talking about at the Feast of the Tabernacles, where at the end of it, it was called the pouring out of the water. On the last day of the feast, they would pour out water upon the altar in the, in the temple. The Jews would pour it out. And um, it was to signify with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, which is a prophetic writing. So they would draw the water and they would pour the water while praying for salvation. Well, it's into this that in verse 37, Jesus said, it says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Rivers of living water will flow from his heart. If you have an NLT Bible or any um, other kind of study Bible or footnote Bible, it will say footnote and then it will say, or let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from the heart of anyone who believes in me. So there's this idea of that it, is it flowing from Jesus' heart or is it flowing from the hearts of those who believe in him, this living water that's coming out. And that, that's kind of what people, what scholars talk about. And in verse 39, it says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. So is that spirit water, is that life like giving, quenching, thirst quenching water coming from him or is it coming from us? And the answer is yes, it is coming from both. It's coming from both. Isaiah 58, 11 says this, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. And will strengthen your frame. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. I want to show you a picture now, a video uh, that kind of gives us the idea of what this looks like. I'm not suggesting mimosas. What I am talking about is positioning ourselves under the, where the flow of, is coming 
Positioning ourselves under that and letting us be so filled that we're filled to overflowing into those around us. If we are drinking from the life-giving water, then it is overflowing out of us and flowing into those around us. You know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just shift a little. I shift a little bit further. I shift a little bit further. I get a little bit cold in my heart. And the idea is that I come back, I run back and I position myself under His life-giving water so that life-giving water might flow from my heart as well. That is the idea. Now, you might say, well, Bron, restoration, um, you know, getting ready, being reserved. Like, didn't that happen at salvation? Isn't he saying, didn't Jesus even say that he'll give his spirit when we follow him? Yes, 100%. And you might say, well, why would we come to an anointing service for that? Well, it's the same as baptism. Like, you are clean the moment you come to Jesus. The moment you decide to follow Jesus, he wipes all your sins away. The Bible says he puts them as far as the east is from the west and he will remember them no more. All your guilt, all your shame, everything is dealt with in that moment. It's the best. But then he says, also repent and be baptised. And this is, the first is a signal to you that you have gone Jesus' way, but the second is a signal to everyone else. The first is I'm going with you, Jesus. The second is I'm going public. And in our culture, in a church building with a bunch of Christians, it's exciting and it's awesome. But in some countries, that gets you disowned. That means that your Islamic family or your Hindu family says, we do not know you anymore. You do not belong to us. They're fine for you to receive Christ and have that relationship. But the moment you step out and go public and have baptism, they will disown you. And when we used to give, do baptisms in India, we had to give the person a new name because their old name usually meant some glorification of some foreign God. And so we had to give them a new Christian name and they would take that name and that would be their new name. And and so that's what baptism does. It's a public signal. So the anointing service, it's simply just another signal. It's like, God, I'm here and I'm ready. Locke, when he was little, he used to have these night terrors and um, they were horrific. Might get, darn it, I hate it when I start a story and then wonder if I should have. Um... One time I just slapped him across the face trying to wake him up. Like it was like trying everything just to like, like it, was, it was so scary. He would just, he'd wake up screaming, little kid, tiny kid. And then you'd go and he'd just look through you while screaming in, in terror. And they're called night terrors for a reason. And, and we tried everything. We would like watch, the, what he, watch what he ate before bedtime. We'd make sure that he'd gone to the, all the things that we could read about we did. You know, I got desperate. I'm like... The kids had bought these fairy stickers from a shop in Bribery Island that looked a bit new agey. I'm like anointing those fairies on the, on the cupboard with oil. I'm praying over everything. I'm anointing everything with oil. Why? And I would have said that, you know, that's not something that I did because I was desperate. I was like, God, I need you to come through for my little boy. And, and just like this afternoon at the anointing altar, when we're just going to simply dab people with oil and pray over them, it's like, we're just desperate, God, for you. We want to be restored. We want to live restored. We understand that we are, but we want to live that way. We want to be ready for whatever you've got for us next, God. We want to have a holy moment with you where you, Lord, impart to us what we need for this next season. And we're expectant for that. I'm expectant for that. And you know what else I'm expectant for? Because Jesus said when he came back from the wilderness, we talked about it in week one. He came back and he preached from the prophet Isaiah. He said this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, that the time of the Lord's favour has come. You see, this anointing was never meant to be for us only. The anointing that Jesus is talking about here is the restoration of all things. 
the restoration of all things. And this passage in Isaiah, this is what it says just before verse 11. Verse 9 says, Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and He will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always and He will satisfy you in a sun-scorched land and He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. The idea says that you will repair broken walls. You will be called restorer of streets to dwell in. The idea is that we love His presence, but we take His presence wherever we go. The idea is that the Holy Spirit is poured out so that, that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, and that there's a because aspect to what we're doing. We are involved in the restoration of all things. I've got to tell you, I love the presence of God. We're in Fiji and... (laughs) And uh, I just read a Bible verse and I looked out at the water and I was like this, God, I love you. We had some hard news last night and I was just in bed. And I was just praying, Lord, restore all things, restore all things, restore all things. And um, it was about something that we were unaware of. and, And I was here today and I was asking God, why, why so long, God? Why, why so long? And see, I love his presence. And, and he said, you ask me why so long, but I was keeping for so long. I was saving for so long. I was keeping something from being worse for so long. You ask me, why did it take so long for you to find out about something? I'm telling you, I was keeping it from being any worse for so long. And I love the presence of God. And I love that restoration in my soul in that moment. I love that. The answer in that moment, I love the knowledge that I know He's going to restore all things. But He asked me to be part of that. He asked me to take His presence and be part of that. And that's why I want to be anointed for His service. That's why I want to go through, well, I've been through the waters of baptism, but I don't want anything to hold me back. Just whatever you want to do, God, then that's what I want to do. Your people, we will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That's what he's called us to. I love his presence. I love having a good ball. You know I do. (laughs) But he's called us to much more than this experience of who he is, which I love. But he's called us to go out and restore all things with him. Imagine being invited to the restoration of all things with our King. And it starts simply with a yes to Jesus. And then it starts with those follow-up moments of obedience with Him like baptism. And so this morning, I want to give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The simple gospel is this, that every religion tries to work its way up to God, whether it's nirvana or reincarnation or good works or whatever it looks like, paying indulgences, whatever it might be. But the message of the gospel is that nobody's perfect. No one could ever work their way up to God, that God left heaven and came down to us in Jesus Christ. And He paid the price. He took our sin on His shoulders and He laid down His life so that we might live. That's the simple gospel. And it's simply, I don't want to go my way anymore. I want to go your way, Jesus. And so right now, 
If it's time for you to say yes to Jesus, just right now, wherever you are in your heart, just say, Jesus, that's me. I want to follow you. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.